0: hey widows i'm hannah sainty and welcome to the your weird podcast the place that talks to creatives artists and people living their best lives about how they do what they do why they do what they do and how being a bit weird is a superpower if robots are taking all our jobs we better figure out how to harness the one thing they can't do be creative enjoy the show Hey weirdos, thank you for tuning in to this episode. This is the first Spotlight on a Weirdo episode for the Your Weird Vodcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, If you are listening, you should know that this is actually available to watch on YouTube as well. If you just go to the handle at Media, you'll be able to find it there. But today's guest is a phenomenal lady. She's a creative powerhouse. She's a visual artist having studied visual art at Edinburgh College in Scotland, She then went on to lecture in fine art and design at Aberdeen College in Scotland and then she became interested in making fine art jewellery. So she does all these incredible little bespoke pieces and um, customised pieces and she does a lot of like silversmithing and her favourite is to do enamelling. She has her own shop in Perth, Western Australia where she sells her own visual art and jewellery as well as a few others as a little bit of an artist collective. And the reason why I met her is because she actually does stand-up comedy. She's been doing it for a few years now and she's an absolute gun at it. She's making waves and she's an incredible person to watch. And I'm really excited to bring this episode to you today because I found her incredibly inspiring from the get-go. From the second that I met her, I wanted to learn more and I really hope that you enjoy this chat with her today. My guest today is the fantastic and wonderful and mega-talented Jill Cordoner.
1: Welcome, Enjoy welcome. Welcome. Well, welcome
0: to your studio. We're welcome your to studio my today. studio. And it's, <laughs> lovely,
1: it's lovely to have you here. You I'm sorry her. on it because like, I don't I? have many people in my studio because it's a bit like it's like a pair of slippers, you know, like they're just for me. Yes. I don't really like even my children wearing my slippers. And it's the same in my studio. It's it's a small private space. Yeah. I don't feel it's a public space. Some people do that, you know open studio thing and I always get asked to do it and just think no no I don't want to be put in my studio because, because it just it'd be weird you know like yeah totally and then i need tidy up and then I feel I'd need to be explaining stuff you know yeah
0: which I suppose like that can kind of ruin your process a little bit can't well, it, it? Can. it it kind
1: of makes it a little bit more
0: analytical as opposed to I mean inspired. I see
1: do you know like on Pinterest you see these um artist studios I just look at them and I just think, no art was ever created in those bloody studios. You know, <laughs> when they're all gorgeous and yes. there's the bunch of flowers and that's all super minimal and Scandinavian. And I just think, <laughs> you know, like I've never seen a studio really, not not long term practice artists. They're always a bit funky, you know. They're always a bit like, Ugh. yeah, they, they have an ugly bit, you know. And yeah, yeah, it's not all IKEA furniture and. Dundee lines in a milk bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's quite like stagnant, isn't it? Am I blurry? Wait,
0: pausing. I swear to God. You want to make something like auto? Can you tap on my face? So... In terms of your um, your practice, obviously you started doing art when you were very young, I suppose.
1: I, I've always done it, and, and always quite seriously. Not in a um, like my I have children myself, and and I watched them when they were super young, and they never ever had that obsession that I had. Probably from about six. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I used to. I used to make everything and make whole dioramas of everything out plasticine and and build things and create little worlds it was a time before computers (laughs) and it was a time like we weren't we didn't have lots of toys so you had to use your imagination totally um but my kids were never really like that They, they have too many choices you know yeah it's a good and a bad thing you don't want your children to grow up in adverse poverty and make them creative, but then there's other <laughs> there are benefits there are to it. benefits <laughs> to poverty, like because we never used to enough toys. Yeah, you had to make you them had up to make it all. What? That's it. But, you know,
0: like having imagination is one of – like I, I talk about this a lot, like especially the way that the world is progressing now where we're, you know, um, the movement of technology and artificial intelligence. The only thing that artificial intelligence can't do is have imagination. So more yeah. than anything – Like my husband. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> right,
0: uh, um yes yeah, so you need to like find creativity and then be able to sort of like um I don't know you need you need to be able to like harness it and, and kind of grow it and I think there's different
1: like people can be inherently quite creative I think and I always was because I grew up in the same uh petri dish as my siblings who are not creative um and I was but then they had each other yeah. so i was excluded from that i was like the single cell organism and they had like morphed into some sort of other thing so maybe my creativity came because it was necessity um which is the mother of all invention you know so maybe that's why but when i taught i used to see um students who appeared to have a natural creativity about them. And then I would have students who didn't have that and who were much harder working and wanted to achieve it. A bit like people who are naturally funny versus people who (laughs) want to be stand-up comedians. You know, like they can both achieve the same outcome but get to it by very different routes. Yes, absolutely. So I do believe um, one route would be the natural creative um inclination perhaps uh, and the other one would be dogged determination dogged dogged just as my dog well, we document. have little dog hey tiny um so that's what i would say on that um but i love i've always loved ma- making there's something about that hand to brain to eye thing that some people really love more than others yeah some yeah. people have a more natural desire To make that connection between their hands and their brain. That's what I think, maybe more so than it being, like, imagination, perhaps. I don't know. I mean, it's a difficult one. It's it's that whole craft and art, you know, discussion about one being an intellectual thing and one being a physical thing. Absolutely. So because sometimes one
0: can inspire the other more like sometimes if you can't come up with an idea you need to use your hands in order to kick the brain into gear and other times you might have an idea but you can't get your hands yeah yeah yeah
1: Yeah. i i don't know they're different that once you start going down that rabbit hole of analyzing it it just becomes a bit mind-blowing and then you just want to kill yourself (laughs) and then take up golf or something i don't know
0: ah golf of all of them i know don't know about that one. It can't
1: come
0: up. Well, so like going back to like having the space, does that mean all throughout your life you've had to kind of create a little nook for yourself? Um.
1: Well, I I always had like I had my bedroom at home when I was a kid. That was where I made things, and then I went. I left home quite young. I went to art school. We had beautiful studio spaces looking out on Edinburgh Castle, and. um yeah, I just have always made space. When I mean, you make space, if you were in a prison cell, and I have a bit of a prison fantasy <laughs> that I'm in prison and it's really nice because I've got a box of watercolours and a guitar <laughs> and I get really good at guitar. <laughs> and I paint all the inmates and everyone loves me. And so it's a weird fantasy that, but... I think it probably says quite. Uh, it alludes a lot to my personality. That the thought of being trapped in a small space with paints is not a bad thing. That's, yeah, that's insane, really. But also, I wouldn't have to cook dinner.
0: <laughs> that is definitely a <laughs> positive. Yes,
1: <laughs> work out, learn an instrument, maybe learn a language because I don't speak any other languages, and um, have a watercolor. But I mean, there was all those films in the seventies for your time my darling um, <laughs> where they would be like a Clint Eastwood type person like the Birdman of Alcatraz and everything where there was always a person who painted and they had quite an integral part <laughs> they, they were important <laughs> in the prison hierarchy because they'd come, they'd come they'd come a point where somebody needed something painted <laughs> And then they, they just, did, just needed that one guy. They just needed that one guy and that would be... <laughs> and I don't know why that's making me laugh so much, but it is just bizarre. It's I, because
0: in your fantasy it just means that you've become the painter basically the saviour, <laughs> the hero of the film.
1: <laughs> I just want to be important. I just want to make a difference. Because art never really seems to be that important. Because I remember... Um, I think I grew up with that whole premise of, like I was a creative child and my parents were just glad that I wasn't setting fire to the house and things like that, you know. Which I did try to do as well, but that's (laughs) another story. Um, So they were glad I was doing that. But in reality, they never saw it as being, like I remember my dad saying to me, like you, you, you can't go to art school because you'll never work a day in your life. You know, you'll be a blight on society. And that was truly what they believed. Yeah. It's like you were a blight. I mean, I didn't think I could disappoint my parents any more than becoming an arts graduate until <laughs> I took up stand-up comedy. It's <laughs> like the double whammy of failure for your children, you know. <laughs> it's, but the thing is, I would love my kids to be that kind of failure. Yeah. But they're, they're probably going and do sensible bloody jobs you know that Ah. depresses me like none of my kids have got that wild like drive for the arts that i had like they've got drive for other things but it's not for the arts that's depressing you know i just think why aren't you artists why don't you want to be sculptors and painters and musicians but they don't they've got their own life and they've got their own path and i won't stop them from doing what they want my dad wanted me to be an engineer I mean, can you imagine? Oh, no. How bad an engineer would I have been? I mean, just dreadful. No, you'd be trapped. You'd be in a little pigeonhole. You wouldn't like it. I'd be sacked really early (laughs) on. Like, I I wouldn't make it. I'd never make it to long service leave. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I kind of took the path, not of least resistance. I always knew that's what I wanted to do. I never... It, it never so I never wavered from it and thought god imagine if I'd become this I've never had that thought like oh imagine. that's really good
0: well I, well like does that mean you've been you've been led by a particular like feeling or sensation is it kind of like that's the thing that makes me feel excited and inspired that's what I'm gonna do or has it just been like a deeper knowing like you haven't really had to think or feel about it you're just like okay I'm doing this and now I'm doing this
1: um, actually there's like yeah. a little
0: no. thing in between
1: Possibly, but I, I'm very much, like, I'm flighty. But the are a thing. Um, I just never questioned that that was what I was good at and that's what I should do. I was really good at English. I could easily have done an English degree and I would have loved that, to be fair. But um, not more than art. You know, like, like I loved it, but I didn't love it more than art. Yeah, you know, like, there was nothing never came... Close to that. And I look at some people and I think, imagine not being able to make things what that must be like to the ordinary people. You oh, God, know, yes. The ordinary people in the street who can't... I just think, oh, I'd, look, I'd hate not to be able to do it. Because when we go on holiday, I am always I always paint. And I just think, how hey, is is this weird for my family? Do they look at me and just... Do you know what I mean? Like, what do they think when they look at me doing that? Do they look at me and think... I wish I could do it. I don't think they do. They don't? What do you think they do? I think they just think that's what mum does.
0: Interesting. Well, that kind of brings me to like one of the key themes of this podcast is like when are the times in your life where you've been called weird or what you're doing is weird?
1: (laughs) You know, like out of the norm. My entire life. Yeah. Like I've never – I mean, I I think I've always felt – I've felt weird. People have always – said i was weird and strange i never was that i grew up in an area that appeared to be quite affluent um first of all i grew up in the country where there's nobody to call you weird so you can just be what you want to be till you start school and then you realize you just don't have the same tools to navigate when you've been brought up in isolation and then you start school. There's no preschool. There's no playgroups. There's none of that, you know? No. Your parents didn't do anything to integrate you into other children's lives. Yeah. So you start school and you're weird. Yeah, you just like this own like, free but then, atom. But then, so my, my sister's weren't as weird, I don't think. I don't think they struggled with assimilation as as greatly as I did. <laughs> I struggled with that and I was always really sharp and really smart and mouthy. So that made you like, I always knew stuff because I read a lot of books. I read a lot of books because my mum and dad would buy boxes and boxes of books at jumble sales, like a car boot sale or something. Yeah. And that's what you would have for entertainment. So I, I would be reading Dickens and I read Chaucer when I was 11 about Middle England. And, you know, just I just read really wordy books. I, I used to sit with a dictionary and a book and read it till I came to word I didn't know. I mean... That's weird. And then you start school and that's your mindset. Your vocabulary is already weird. Yeah. So that will set you apart for a start. I was always better at drawing and making things. So people hated that, you know. So you were just, I just was always that oddity. I was small. I was a tiny child who had an amazing vocabulary. And could draw really well. So people kind of hated you from the outset, you know. Did you
0: kind of, like, at that age, did you use it as sort of a superpower? Like, were you kind of like, all right, I'm going to... You already think I'm weird. I can't do anything against that. So I'm going to own it and use it? Or did you kind of sort of segment yourself away for a little bit while you were a child?
1: No, I never had the self-awareness to understand that if I didn't know the answer to every question... And answer it in class. <laughs> if I just shut up, then people wouldn't hate you as much. <laughs> but I knew the answer, you know. So you just tell I was it. like, mm, "Please, Miss, please, Miss." You know, like, and I think about that now, and I just think, you know, that's quite hard. Um, and hard for other people, you know, like, con- like I never, I wasn't ever trying. To outshine other people in my class, I just was understimulated by school. Yeah, and so I was just trying to keep myself amused. I didn't ever think, well, I'll just try and be like them. I'll try and be thick, and then they'll like me. Like that never occurred to me. Yeah. Whereas now I think about it, I thought you just shut up, you know. <laughs>
0: Draw some me? more, like, pictures in the margins. of you, know, you shit
1: cows <laughs> and that, you know, like, just not, like, anatomically <laughs> correct cows with the breeding cycle behind <laughs> them and that and, like, you know, the right foliage in the foreground. I don't know. I mean, I just... I was an overachiever, but not ever to make other people feel bad just because I was understimulated by school. Yeah. yeah. That's really, really incredible,
0: though, like... To still just be able to continue doing
1: relentlessly,
0: yeah, no, but like I, I think yeah. that's really inspiring because it's like although like you know, um, you might have had some kids hating you. Like at the end of the day, like it, it's only because they wish it they could do that and be like that. Like I know I yeah, had yeah. that in school a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah they'll smart just be like, after. yeah, they're like, ah, oh, why she so smart, and like, yeah, like I'd hear, yeah. like I'd hear it behind me, and I'm like, what this? You're picking on me for this, like. yeah yeah
1: but i think you, you kind of cling to it like a, a limp it to a rock don't you like the skill or the talent or the ability that you know is what you cling to because you've nothing else you have no other navigation points absolutely you yeah know, like i didn't have anyone and my and like parents didn't talk to you like i we talked to our kids you know how's things how's everything <laughs> go there was none of that you know like you just you just got on with it, and that was it. Yeah, it was like... You yeah, either a... sunk or swum, and that was it. There was no middle ground of like, you know, maybe we could get a tutor for you if you... It's like, no! <laughs> there was just... So I think I didn't ever question my creativity as being a bad thing. I knew that was the one thing that brought me joy. Maybe that was it. Yeah. In school, which was rotten. Like primary school, I hated. Secondary school, I hated. It was all the odds with everyone. Yeah. Um, and it never gave me what I wanted. You know, I had a couple of nice teachers in amongst it, but um, generally, I I found it unfulfilling. So, um, just putting your head down and getting better at the thing that you love mm. seems like a better way to navigate stormy waters. I don't know if that's right or not, but.
0: I mean, that makes a lot more sense. And I mean, it it kind of um, plays into sort of how to use it to your advantage these days. You know, like if you think about, um, you know, like if you're trying to sell, if you're trying to sell a bottle or something, a new drink or something like that, it's going to be the unique selling point or like it's it's whatever is weird. So taking that into when you're an adult and if you are your own brand, it's got to be that thing that sets you apart and that thing that makes you stand out. Yeah. And obviously, like you know, like that's that's worked for you so far. Like you've got,
1: you've had like an illustrious <laughs> creative
0: career so far. Yeah.
1: Well, I look, I think I think you get to middle point in your life, and I think then all the weirdness of your life makes a lot more sense. Like I think you get to about fifty, and then you go, "Yeah, I'm all right with that now. It, <laughs> it's okay." And like you stop making excuses for the weirdness and then you own it more yeah and so i'm far more comfortable as a woman over 50 than i was even in my 40s my 30s my 20s you know my teens i i now feel yeah i wish i wish i'd had the self No, i don't have self-awareness i still do not have that um <laughs> <laughs> no i don't uh i wish i had the self-belief that it was all right to not fit in because I think all my life I battled with the fact that I was weird and that I was at odds with everything and I didn't want to be like that but I didn't know how not to be like that Mm. you know if I'd figured out how not to be like that I wouldn't be what I am so you know I'm sure if I was clinically tested they'd find Plenty syndromes <laughs> and medical diagnosis but none of which will change me being what I am no. so I don't really see the benefit for me in knowing somebody said to me oh, you know you're probably ADHD probably Asperger's and I'm like uh-huh. I'm probably a lot of things but you know like I don't knowing it and having it on a bit of paper is not going to change my day to day. You know, you still deal with the same stuff. That's exactly right. But I do, I do feel happier in in my oddity now. And Now I don't feel, I don't feel as odd. Weirdly, um, I think comedy's been great for that because <laughs> that's a strange collection of people and the strangest. It kind of makes you feel it's okay to be strange and it's okay to be weird, because it's a community weirdness, and all sorts of weird are accepted. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there, so it's like a band of thieves, isn't it? We're all like a Dickens tribe of urchins. Yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think that's been good for me, because um, I realised that I may well have always been a bit peculiar but I'm not as peculiar as some of the people <laughs> I work with. You know? You know, oh, or I am, maybe I am, but it's not as judged. I think there you go, judgment's a part of it, isn't it? Oh, a huge, part. huge it, part. Is If people weren't judgmental about your weirdness, it'd be much easier to be an individual. Art school was all about being an individual and having an original thought mm. as long as it conformed to the prescribed um, view of what that was, you c- like they wanted you to be different. They wanted you to be weird. They wanted you to be experimental. But it all still had to fit within their taste. And there's a thing, you know, because like there would there be people at art school who were so different from everyone. But they were too different. It's so just too much. Were, well, they were just weren't accepted, you know. They weren't avant-garde because they were odd. They were weird. There was a woman who painted dead birds. She'd find roadkill <laughs> and drag <laughs> it into the studio and do these wee paintings of these wee squished birds. Yeah, she did. It. And she was a strange, strange woman. You know, she was a yeah. weathered crone. Um <laughs> And everybody used to just like, oh, you know, what's that about? It's like she was doing the most different thing from anybody. Yeah. But that was not celebrated because it wasn't on brand with what avant-garde art was in the eighties. You know. Yeah. Do you know really, what I mean? Yeah, I get. It's like you're saying. be weird, but be this kind of weird. Yeah. And comedy's a wee bit like that as well. Oh, have I have your own viewpoint. You know, have it as long as it's not. I yeah, don't really which, like that viewpoint. You know, say what you want, just not sure. Just not, don't do that, that, just within the
0: PC yeah. realm and also. Well, not
1: just PC, but about also what people um, perceive um, audiences connecting to. It's like we all have to do a certain type of comedy. You know what I mean? There's like, yeah. do it about whatever you like, just don't do it about that. I mean, can you imagine if someone... There's no Christians doing Christian comedy, is there? There's not.
0: I don't think so. No. Think about
1: it. Yeah, that's true. There's nobody in there going, "Oh God." I was at a church the other day. I'm not saying, look, I'm I'm an atheist, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, it's there's parameters and everything, isn't there? Mm. I mean, it's not to say
0: that it's not existing within smaller church groups. echo chambers. Yeah, you know, like it, they might have their own open mind. Yeah,
1: in America, apparently, church comedies. Like very high pain. Really? Yeah, you have to go and do um, like church comedy, which had kind of no sexual connotations at all. Like Whoa. nothing, no swearing, but nothing even like you can't allude to sexuality. Yeah, because I, I I know this guy who does a lot of church stuff and he says that's the big pain, cash, but it's all got to be Wild. jokes that have nothing. I, what would you do jokes about?
0: If the you only thing I've got coming into my head is like washing powder. Like I'm See, like, what is it? Yeah, yeah. it may like be about
1: pets and things, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> but yeah, there. That, I mean, it's a good exercise, isn't it? But I'm very much of the um, Billy Connolly approach to um, swearing. Like I feel it's a it's self-expression, and and stand up's that last that bastion of self-expression, isn't it? I mean, arts mm. arts is self. It's self-expression as well, but it's not um, variable. So. Yeah,
0: it's not. Well, I mean, like, that's something that's interesting as well. Like, you know, earlier you said that um, you'd like to be in jail and to do paintings <laughs> and just in a single cell room. Yeah, now we're talking about being in front of, you know, up, you know, between one to 200 people <laughs> depending on the night and where you're performing. Yeah. And then we, with a community of other oddballs, like, how does that, is that like two two different versions of you that are coexisting?
1: Yes. Yes. Um you know there's that people talk about, you know, being an introvert, extrovert. I mean, you know what it's like. Like well, you're very chatty and sociable. You're more so than I am, perhaps. Dunno. I don't know. Well, be on a of, well, <laughs> um but you know there's that bit of like you go on stage and you can be making everyone laugh and smile and you are that, make them laugh. (laughs) laugh." And then you go off stage and you're like, don't speak to me. (laughs) me." It's like, like, I don't really want to be that person off stage. Mm. I don't want to go, like, I don't want to go to parties. Weirdly, my sister, who I rarely speak to, um, never speak to like communicate (laughs) very infrequently and uh, she she emailed me out the blue asking me to make a piece of jewellery and um, she said that she'd been talking to my mum about me doing comedy and she said you always wanted to be the centre of attention (laughs) and I just thought what a crocky shit that is. Like, like, where does that come from? I have never wanted, like, that has never been ever my plan. But I think your actions can be seen as that. Like, when I was at school and I was answering all the questions in yeah. class like a pain in the arse, I think that's people thinking you're attention-seeking. Mm, but totally. in your mind... You're just answering the bloody question because you knew the answer. Yeah,
0: you like, I, I got, got the answer. I know, Let's I move know, on. I don't
1: know. I don't know, know, know. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's like you're trying to
0: just rush through the book. You're like, I know this. Can we move I on? This. I know this. Next move one, next on. one, next yeah. one.
1: Next chance, next chance. And maybe stand-ups a bit like that as well. Because mm. it's like you're you're answering the question when you're on stage. And when you're off stage, it's just like, you know. <laughs> but like, how do you like it? I don't know, like, do you, do you have
0: to... Obviously, you've been doing comedy for three years. Nearly four. Nearly four nearly years now, yeah. Half. Three and three quarters. Three and three quarters. Yeah. So, like, before that, though, do, you, do you feel like... like...
1: some people breastfeed their children, but that's <laughs> another thing. I read an article Whoa.
0: about that. Whoa. Oh, God. I just no. started watching, like, no. Game of Thrones again, and there's, like, that. And I'm like, yeah, please. No. It me anyway, so uncomfortable. Well. Anyway. Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um so like before you started doing stand-up comedy and you were just doing the art, did you feel like there was something missing? Like you were kind of like, you know, like you wanted to get something out? Like yeah. Like you wanted to say it? Yeah. I
1: think I've always um, never understood that there was a necessity to be what my sister would classify as an attention seeker. Hey, look, uh, the best of know, us are. Yeah, it's fine. whatever. <laughs> um, and I would always be I was always a theatrical child. I like if I think if I'd done theatre as a child, I'd have got it out of my system. Yeah. And maybe I would have been an actor. Who knows? But I definitely had that in me. And I would always be, like, maybe just a bit too much. Too mm-hmm. much. Too much. Much too, too much. Too weird. Just too, too are you're, you're doing
0: your version of bringing the dead birds and painting <sighs> them.
1: Well, I mean, like, at parties and that, like, social events, I'd never quite... Know how to not answer the question. Ah. I'd always be extra. Yes, it's like I overcompensated for my weirdness by being extra weird mm-hmm. and being really inappropriate as well. You know, like making jokes about things that I should never have made jokes about. <laughs> you know, like today, for example. Yeah, I'm at Pilates this morning. There's a girl in the reformer next to me, and she's got one leg. <laughs> And the brand's LSKY, is it? Or do you know the. Oh, God, I anyway, don't know. So it's got all the lettering around the bottom of the ankle. And there's three rows of the letters. So it's LSKY or whatever, LSKY. But then the down stroke of that's three Ks. So oh. she's got the Klu Klux Clan on her leg. And all through class, I'm going, I'm going to tell her. Gonna tell her. I'm gonna tell her. I'm gonna tell her. I'm gonna ask her if she know. I'm gonna ask her. I'm gonna tell her. Look, look you know that you know you've got KKK on your. And at the end, I'm like, No, of course you're not gonna tell her. Don't tell her. <laughs> the don't tell her bit is a recent thing. Mm. Previously, I would have told her. and I would have told her loudly so the whole room would have heard it. Wow. Do you know
0: what I mean? So you're saying that you would say it loudly so that everyone else could hear it because then you would entertain the rest of the room?
1: Yes. Ah. Like like the class clown. Yes. Gillian is very bright but a bit of a joker, all that sort of stuff on your school report cards. Bit of a daydreamer. Better if paid spend more time concentrating. Da, 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 blah, 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 oh blah, yeah, blah blah. blah. You know? Yeah. So I was. It was picked up from an early age that I would try and make people laugh, and my son's a bit like that. He tries to make people laugh to the detriment of other things. You know, uh, like okay. He's still got a wee bit of that. He's quite like me in that way. Yeah. You know, he thinks that that will make him accepted. If they're laughing at me and maybe that's why you're doing comedy. They're laughing at me, they like me. Yeah, and also (laughs) if
0: I'm telling them what to laugh at, they can't laugh at me as well. Or if I'm pointing it out first.
1: And also it's a very easily controlled way of like people can like you for five, ten minutes and then that's it. Wash your hands and go. Yeah. You know, they don't need to like you after, you know. So it's like I can make them like me for 10 minutes, 15 minutes max, 20 at bush, one day it will be an hour. Um, (laughs) But I can make them like me for that period of time and that's enough. Mm. I don't need people to... You know, Like I always look at these things of people who've got huge groups of family and friends and a lovely dinner and lunch and everyone's getting on, I just think... It'd be lovely to be like that, but I know I am not that.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean, because like, I can be like that as well. Like, I can't – I can be in large groups of people, but it's not all the time. Sometimes I can only – like, I'd prefer to – I just prefer to have, like, a one-on-one
1: I can't really do the large groups of people. Yeah. That big table. I don't know who to speak to. hmm you know, mm-hmm. can't you? and then I'll obsess on the person next to me in a really creepy fashion and overly talk to them till they get to the stage where they've, they've really had enough. And, <laughs> and then you'll see them go, and then they start talking to the other person. And now what do I do? Do I now pick like, that person that I've ignored? I've ignored that one the whole meal or the one opposite. Like, do I talk to them now? See, I love this. I'm like, I want to
0: run courses on how to talk to groups of people. I was talking to someone else about it. I'm like, I see all conversations as like a maths equation.
1: Yeah, well, I'm not very mathematical, but I used to, apart from the um, the present fantasy, I've also, <laughs> I've also had the Tuscan Villa fantasy, oh. where under the pergola with the draping wisteria, with yes. this huge table of family and friends, and everybody loves me, and I serve beautiful pasta. And nice. I'm beautiful as well in a Nigella Lawson fashion. <laughs> the reality of that is I'd be in the kitchen sending food out.
0: Yeah, that's that's what because happens.
1: Because I don't want to speak to the people I'm cooking for. And then I'd be pissy because they didn't bring in their bowls. You know, like, the the reality versus the fantasy for me is is so so different yeah you, right? so different. yeah i know but then so like
0: with um with doing comedy right so because like obviously like doing your art is very introverted yes silent silent yeah except so mm-hmm. you've got the tunes going on you had your tunes yeah, cranking when i walked in
1: i sometimes listen to oh, oh nice uh, yeah audio books i listen to a lot of audio books and podcasts yeah. yeah like a podcast um and I just work away silently. My dog comes in, and says hello to me, and that's it. Yeah. And I sit in silence, and it's delightful. But then, like, you
0: bookend that by doing comedy, which is very loud and very light and very unruly. Mm. Has that been.
1: It's the best of both worlds, really, isn't
0: it? Yeah. But then, like, see, this is this is one thing that I think about as well because it's like oh, I used to always get told that I am I was really weird because I liked doing so many things. I was doing something else new. I was trying something yeah. else. I'd done another course. I'm playing with something. I picked up another hobby. Now yeah. I'm doing, like, four things at once. I've got another project. Yeah. I've got them all going on. Yeah. Spinning um, plates. Spinning plates. And I love it. If I don't have so do multiple I. spinning plates, like, I feel – I, I feel, yeah. Mm. I need them. I can focus on one project, but I can't focus on it unless there's other projects in the background because they're all influencing it. Yes, without my realizing, is that have you experienced the same thing in the sense of people being like, "Oh, you just got, you got, you know, maybe just settle down. If you just pick one, or if
1: I'm not flat out, I'm miserable and depressed, and then I sit and I turn it inwards and go, oh, i 'I'm a horrible person. My life's a disaster.' <laughs> Do you know? Like, yeah. so I just keep busy, keep busy. <laughs> um, yeah, I like, I literally would have been the mu- the musician on the Titanic because it was sinking just play just play just get it that's done. a difficult piece to play <laughs> you know and my dad I think influenced me in that because he's the same he's 80 he's not in great health but he'll still put in a full day's work really yes and he ah. buys tools in, ga- in like car boot sales yeah and refinishes them and refurbishes the handles and sands them and oils them and sharpens them and polishes them then sells them and it's not for money it's for something to do yeah but he'll do that like he's busy you know yeah that will be me my dad always used to say they'll need to nail me in the coffin (laughs) and i I agree with that entirely like i am of that
0: That i mean yeah i
1: won't ever retire i mean i'm sort of phasing comedy in so that i don't need to do as much production jewelry and i can do um more expanded ludicrous things yeah yeah they, yeah That don't involve you know to it being so punishing because it's quite hard physically producing a lot of work so absolutely yeah it's so really taxing yeah on yeah like because all your joints t- and that and your back and your neck and your hands and yeah, so it's quite physical. So, one, but then I think when I stop making jewellery, I'll still make jewellery, but I won't make thousands of earrings a year. Absolutely. You know? It'll just change. And I'll, and I'll do a lot more painting because I love painting. And, and that's something I'll never not paint because I love painting. I've always loved painting. Um, and that's something I look forward to not having to work to paint. Mm I still wanna work but I'll have other but comedy's good because it doesn't involve um doesn't involve that part of you. It Absolutely, it's a, a separate. It. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not physically hard because it's physically hard, but um it's not as hard on your joints. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. So.
0: Um what was I going to ask? The like the concept of um like changing – like the relationship you've had with creativity mm. now and the way that it's still with creativity but it's changing and evolving and you're just sort of following it. Yeah. Do you have like – um? does that mean you have sort of like a practice before you create anything? So like before you come into the studio or when you get into the studio or before you even do stand-up comedy? Is there something that you do to sort of bring yourself back to centre or prepare to
1: Like a ritual. Yeah. yeah. I think that our rituals um, – In the morning, like, I like to have a cup of coffee. I know it sounds like not a ritual, but it kind of is. You have a cup of coffee and I just sit and look at the garden and say, tune out a wee bit. And then I come down and just go on with it. Because once I'm in here, I'm in here and I just work. Yeah. I don't really have breaks. I mean, I've even peed in the garden because I can't be bothered walking up (laughs) to the house. Do you know what I mean? I just think I'm in the middle of it. So I'll work straight through till I've had enough. Yeah. And then I'll go up. And I usually have to make dinner for the kids and my husband. So there's that as well. So I have a period of time that I just work flat out. Yeah. Um, And then there's blocks of time where I'll do different things. Like I'll do a block of painting or when I have artwork to do for other things. But with comedy, uh, for me, I think it's getting ready. Yeah. It's absolutely part of my ritual of like tuning out, putting on makeup and doing your hair do do you find that definitely like i feel like i don't want to it's not just that i want to look a certain way on stage i actually the process of doing it is my preparation and that drive in listening the right music is also a part of it like if i don't like i've seen me pull over in the car if like my phone isn't connected to my you know, and I can't listen to the radio. You know, like too he, chary to it's too chatty. It's like I don't want to hear people's conversation. <laughs> I want to hear specific tunes that put me in the right mood. And weirdly, I, you know, there's a few reoccurring tunes that like you go to quite a lot. Yeah. One of mine's, and it is Black Sabbath. <laughs> I, like, I love about Black Sabbath going into a gig. Don't ask me why. I love Black Sabbath, but, I man. Also,
0: like, um, it kind of makes sense. Like, sometimes when you're going into a gig, you have to have, like, that rough and tumble, like, I'm ready for you. You don't want to get
1: You don't want... Like, I was listening. I was I was on Shuffle, and it was on a playlist that has... You know you do these Spotify playlists with 10 million songs. Yeah. And um, it went on it. we <laughs> went on it. E-L-O, Mr. Blue Sky. And I'm like, what? Huh? I mean, like, that's too chipper. Get that. It has to be upbeat, but it has to be... Like, I think Rock's good. Yeah. Or something. I like Sleaford Mods. I like that sort of edgy sort of. Yeah, I don't know. Music's huge, hugely important part of my day. Mm,
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I've noticed that just being in here. I always listen to music.
1: Like, like the there would never be a day in my life, never, where I haven't listened to hours of music. Really, that's really cool. And that's been since. The first, first record I ever bought mm. was Black Sabbath Paranoid. And I bought it at a jumble sale when I was a kid because the label, which was the Vertigo label, is an optical illusion. It was like black Ooh. and white concentric circles that formed this sort of um, optical illusion. And I bought it for that. And I had this old mono um, <laughs> radio uh, record player um that I bought all these singles for and I'd put them on. And then when I was about 14, I got a stereo record player. Huh? Jesus, half of the instruments that you didn't hear. You're like, whoa, where did the guitar song come from? <laughs> and it was like this whole world of like, oh, my God, you know. was amazing. Listen, the backup singers. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that was, that was huge. But I think um, music helps me be creative like i think it's Mm. part of the creative process um but then also is um an empty mind as well is great especially for stand-up i get really lucid thoughts i don't know about you just before i'm drifting off to sleep yes and i wake up and go i gotta write that down right and i'm blind now because i wear glasses right so i get up and i'm like almost asleep and I get up and then I write it in a scroll without my glasses on yep then I get up in the morning and I'm like "What is that say? it's like you know one it was Toblerone um EpiPen <laughs> and I still don't know what that joke was I was like <laughs> Toblerone EpiPen Tobler, Toblerone. well I think it said Toblerone EpiPen and I'm like but what was the connection that's so funny I don't know why that's funny. It just is. It's yeah, it's, it's just like, funny. But then I keep, I'm tormented by the fact that I can't write the joke that links up to link on and EpiPen. It'll come at some point. It's just oh, like gosh.
0: in you. It's just in you. Yeah. I know that happens to me if I wake up. I don't know, really, like just really briefly. I know I've told a joke in a dream and then woken up. <laughs> it's be like, That's funny. great. And, then, and then, then I'm like, "Where's my notebook? I was <laughs> too far away. I'll remember it." You no, never I don't. You never remember it. Never do. And then normally, because I keep one, I keep a book next to me.
1: I'll do with all the all pen in you. it and I
0: write it. Yeah. No, because I don't. If I get the light, I'll be too stimulated and stay awake. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I have to do it in the dark. I'm pretty good for writing in the dark. To be fair,
1: I would really love. Probably, we need something like ah. Uh, I don't know. There must be something. Just a, it, like a voice recorder. It exists.
0: Yeah, but <laughs>
1: yeah, there's those, but there's myth. also, like, I have one of those myth. old
0: school ones where yeah, you have like, to, dictaphone, yeah. Dictaphone, like yeah. Columbo.
1: Yeah, exactly. i am thinking about talking about that lady. <laughs> that broad over there <laughs> i don't know i don't know what the thumbs do i don't know what it keeps pressing like, yeah. you're turning it off and on yeah. you're only getting like like one word every time <laughs> that's a bit so i mean they're all connected like weirdly now that i do stand up regularly mm. and i do my art practice they seem uh symbiotic like, they oh. seem, even though they're not connected, they seem to work super well together because they both occupy totally different parts of my brain. Yes. It feels like that. I'm sure somebody will go, oh, that's your left brain, that's your right brain, I don't know, whatever. It doesn't matter. But it definitely feels like they're definitely both important parts of me. And I feel more complete as a human being um, since doing stand-up. That That sounded deep. I must preface it's good, that. I preface that by saying I think it's helped my self acceptance more mm. and it's also helped me um make sense of being a weirdo. Yeah. And being oh, yeah. a weird and owning the weird and going, I can make money out of this. Yeah. Cause I do it in my art and I do it in what I make because I never make I don't, I'm self employed because I like to make what I want to make. I don't want to dance to anyone else's tune, right? I just, there you go. I've always danced to the beat of my own drum my whole life. And being self employed allows you to make what you want. And if you sell it, you sell it. If you don't, you don't. And I don't really care. As long as I can make enough money to not be broke, I'm cool with that. I don't need to make more money. Like, I won't make things that are commercially successful just because that will make money. Money in itself has never been enough of a motivation. Like, I like money. I like spending money. I mean, who doesn't? Hmm. But I won't make a hundred to one thing just because they'll sell. I'd rather make five of that, one of that that will never sell because I want to make it. Yeah, absolutely. And so comedy in in that way is the same. I want to make my jokes. Some will land, some won't. But I enjoy the processes telling the crap jokes as well as the good jokes. Yeah, totally. you know. And so that's the same thing. So it's like it's <laughs> like making money out your own eccentricity and strangeness. It like feels good because then you think it's not just you being a weirdo. It's just not you're not just that kid anymore that's sitting in class wondering why you're not invited to the party you know like i look like i've struggled with that my whole life you know, why don't I get invited to the party that i don't want to bloody go to do you know what i mean now i'm like i don't want to go to the party <laughs> i don't get invited to the party and that's good because i'd never go to the bloody party <laughs> so now it's it makes more sense so it helps me um accept myself better Mm. and accept that you can be as goddamn strange as you like and there's a place for it in the world if you can figure out a way to make sense of it. Yep. But I do worry about kids that are young and in school and who who don't understand that some way down the line they'll figure out what they can do with that. You know, and they'll not just be that strange, weird, wee kid that's bullied and picked on and their life's a misery. You know, they can't see that there'll come a point where that weirdness will work for you. And, and it feels really good for the 50 year old me to think about the 10 year old me and think all oh, that time that's passed. I said fifty. I'm fifty six. Who are you kidding? <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think about that, and I think, yeah, I have, I I owe it to the struggle of the younger me to make it work now. So when I'm on stage and I'm, you know, making people laugh by my under my control, under my spell, I think it's been a long time coming to make that part of me makes sense and to make me feel better about me for me and other people will enjoy it in in the process and that's fantastic. Yeah. But the number one reason I do it is for me, you know, the the side effect of that is that it makes people laugh. And that's lovely. You know, it's a lovely side effect. Um but I just wish there was more inclusive things for kids that are weird you Mm, know mm. not they don't fit in and don't find their place in the world and i wish there was programs for them to help them see that there are career paths for weirdos absolutely and and the, the things that you think might make you weird one day will be what make you fantastic and undeniable and that's what i love about it so Oof!
0: that was a delicious delicious little statement there that's (laughs) wicked that is exactly what it's all about absolutely
1: it's good to it's good to come a point in your life where you can make sense of the traumas and the hardships and say that there's some good of it yeah and the good of it's been down to you it's not been down to anyone else you know it's not but nobody's know try to bolster you up or help you along the way you made it because you've made it because you've been true to yourself whatever that's like you know beautiful all
0: right that's so that's the best I, I'm so excited <laughs> to share this with people um so there's only a couple of things that I want to go over next um so the first thing is just uh what do you have any advice for someone who's just trying to get in touch with their creativity or maybe like in even if it's in a part of the arts that you do, if there's a drawing exercise or something,
1: a sketchbook. I've I've done self portraits. Here, th- my best advice to anyone who loves to draw is self portraits are the way to learn to draw. Right, mm. like ultimately you will learn more about drawing from self portraits than it, drawing anything else because they're the hardest thing to do. I've done them since I was about ten. And I have a collection of self-portraits through my whole life and I've kept them all. Wow. Yeah, I know. And I I always believed that they were um, the best way to keep in touch with your inner self and the physical growth of learning to draw and observe because even though you draw the same thing each time, it's always different and your perception's different. And I went to the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam And they had this beautiful exhibition of little A5 self-portraits Van Gogh had done all through his life. And they had them... They were all the same format. They were all the same size wee boards. And they had them in this huge big line, maybe about 20 or 30 of them. And you could see where his mental health slipped in and out. His lucidity was there. He was gone. They were... It was the most heart-rendering, beautiful and it was like an epiphany for me to look at that cuz that's what i'd always believed was important and they were important for van gogh like no matter where he was in his life he'd do a self portrait and and i've always done them and so they've been my like compass point so if you're stuck and you've got nothing you've got a mirror you got a pencil you got a bit of paper you can always do it you can do them anywhere they're not for everyone to look at and go. Oh, you're great at drawing. Forget about that. Keep them for yourself. They're a private thing. They're an exercise. Um, sketchbooks. Keep a sketchbook. Draw. Even you know, try and try and structure it. If 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 you struggle to draw, or struggle to make, you know, get a, a journal. Even if you're writing in it, even if you're pulling things out. And, papers and sticking them on and adding things doing collage if that's your jam do that stick in pictures write about them there has to be something that goes from your head on a surface and and that's a really great way um i have a um a macbook pro and a so not macbook pro ipad pro that i like to draw on as well they're a nice thing to do as well but it's not quite the same. I don't think is making the physical marks. Yeah. Pencils are lovely. Sharpen some pencils. Sometimes when I'm just like <laughs> kind of thinking, oh, sharpen a pencil, <laughs> because it's kind of nice. And it then is. I'll just paint. Like I'll get my watercolors out, and I'll put a big blob of water on, and I'll just drop paint on it, and I think that's nice. Just make mm. a connection with something. It doesn't all and it doesn't all need to work out. Your sketchbooks shouldn't be all beautiful pictures. Half of it should just be wrought. Yeah. But I've got sketchbooks that I've had since I was ten, and I look at them now and I think it is so nice to look back on your life, see that we look like, because you go back to that point in time. Mm, so sketchbooks me. great mm. and self portraits are great.
0: That's brilliant advice. I love that. That's really actionable. That's really fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then the last thing. So obviously, like, um, like I started this podcast because I wanted it to be something, like something that I would have liked to have listened to when I was struggling creatively. Yeah. And so part of the thing as well is like I have actively over the past couple of years been trying to get back in touch with my creativity because I left it for a long time and I didn't touch anything. And so now part of like me doing this podcast, I set myself the challenge where I have to do a portrait of the person I'm interviewing with their superpower – (laughs) So obviously before the podcast, I asked you what your superpower would be. um, And please tell us what your superpower of choice
1: was. (laughs) My superpower was the um, ability to steal collagen (laughs) from younger (laughs) people. (laughs) Because um, I think that would keep me young and vibrant and I wouldn't have to spend a fortune on skincare.
0: That's it. And I was like, it's genius. It's genius. Because I feel like, you know, as a, a second to that, I feel like you have to then be able to live for longer. Like that, was just what it's would happen. It's going to be Sorry. part of it. Totally. And,
1: and so maybe I could have extra and I could sell that. I don't, you I don't could. know. don't Show me this picture.
0: Okay. i just dying to see this. So, wait. So, just context like, I only got this iPad like a few months ago. I'm still Do learning like getting, how to use Procreate. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, fantastic. here's you with your collagen sack. Obviously, the listeners at home.
1: <laughs> that is so great. <laughs> oh wow
0: I went and found you and I was like that's a really nice dress on you and that's the outfit you wear and I'm like all right that's
1: fantastic look at it it's like a Hansel and Gretel little basket and I like the collagens like that's just that is the cutest thing I've ever seen and I've never like nobody's ever drawn me no way not really not properly you know well, I'm really excited that I. Do. I think that's fantastic, and the <laughs> color is absolutely spot on. Yay!
0: And I have a pink cape, and you know I love. pink. You love pink, that's why you get a pink cape. <laughs> Thank
1: you so much. <laughs> <I love laughs> so much. That. Okay.
0: That's fantastic. Oh, uh, great. So I'll send that to you. You, you can have it.
1: I'm having that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the Your Weird podcast today, Jill. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. And I'm so freaking thrilled that I've met you and you're in my life now. It's wicked. I know.
1: And, and, and the same, you know, like, comedy's brought us together. But then we also had this. You made these earrings. I did. She I did. made <laughs> these earrings in my studio. And you were a good student. <gasps> you know? You weren't, like, you didn't stuff up anything apart from the ear wires. But we'll talk I about I did, that. yeah. We'll talk um, about that later. <laughs> you're a very good student. And I would suggest that you... Um, find something that you can connect with your creativity because i do think i don't i think it's good for your soul yeah i think it's good for you to make things i think it's the human condition we were designed to make things and and modern life has gotten in the way of that we don't need to make bowls anymore because we can buy them in Target. And we don't need to knit jumpers because they're cheaper and, you know, Kmart. Kmart. But we should knit jumpers and we should make bowls so that we can feel a connection with our hands, our minds. And drinking out a cup you've made is a lovely thing, you know. Wearing the earrings that you made is a lovely thing because the pride you have in that and the connectivity is the human condition. And that's missing in life. And I might be a hippie. I probably am too aggressive to be a hippie. But I believe in the hippie. Hippie adjacent. Uh, hippie adjacent. <laughs> hippie ally. Um, <laughs> I'll hold your bong, but I won't smoke it. <laughs> um, <laughs> go make something. And, you know, even if it's a loaf of bread, make a loaf of bread. That's a wondrous thing that'll take you all day but that's a lovely indulgent thing to do i think we need to make time to make things that's what i think even if it's a poem a song don't matter do something creative you know
0: love it that's beautiful let's leave it there because that's gold that's such gold thank you so much joe a pleasure hannah lovely how cool was that I told you she's a cool person. If you want more information on Jill, you can just check out the comments below. I'll put all of her details. We can go chuck her a follow. And also if you want to hear a little bit more about, you know, my process, because I'm actually going to do her homework. I'm going to do all of the self-portraits. I do recommend you do it too because I reckon we can get a lot out of them. And I'm going to document mine. So if you want to check that out, go and follow the Patreon. So it's at patreon.com forward slash Hannah Sainty. I hope you enjoyed the show and I hope to see you on these wavelengths soon. Remember to stay weird because being normal is really boring. Thanks for getting weird with me. If you liked the episode, please subscribe and leave a review. And if you really liked the episode, consider signing up to the Patreon where you can help me help you. You'll get early access, uncut episodes, bonus episodes, and some other cheeky extras that you'll have to check out. You can find it at patreon.com forward slash Hannah Sainty. Now let's be more creative and less strung out. And remember that you're weird because being normal is really boring.